1: A good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
2: There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S., and each week we focus on their stories. This is CBS Eye On Veterans. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans, reporting for ConnectingVets.com, the military news and veteran lifestyle website. I'm Navy Vet Phil Briggs. And today we're going to talk about something that is uh, well, a very big passion of mine, and that is the alternative treatments, the alternative mental health modalities that are out there available for veterans, and that the United States government still refuses to acknowledge, at least on the federal level. Mainly today, we're going to spend a little time talking about mushrooms, psilocybin, Many people call them magic mushrooms. And to set the stage, I want to read from an article that we posted on ConnectingVets.com from the Associated Press. And its headline read, Magic Mushrooms for Therapy? Vets Trying to Sway Conservatives. Now, it starts off talking about an army veteran of 27 years named Matthew Butler. Matthew Butler suffered from some serious PTSD, namely from combat. But it took a day in jail to convince him that it was out of control. He was special forces and the recently retired Green Beret had already tried the antidepressants, had the therapy support dog. I'm sure was on a litany of drugs prescribed by the VA and federally backed because, you know, we know they want you on the opiates, you know, the benzos and the things to help you sleep. But it was when his family tried to stage an intervention in Utah that it was clear none of it was working. After basically wrecking a house, punching a hole in the wall and admitting that, you know, he had frequent and constant nightmares crippling anxiety and didn't like crowds it was that family it was that family get together it was that family intervention that showed him and proved to him as the cops showed up and threw him in the car that something had to change and um he said he started experimenting with psilocybin and mushrooms he has today at 52 years old no longer had any more run-ins with the police he's happily married he's reconciled with his parents he lives in the suburbs of utah And is among the military veterans in the U S that's trying to help persuade lawmakers to study psychedelic mushrooms for therapeutic use. Now, if it sounds kind of unusual that conservative Utah has become at least the fourth state over the last two years to approve studying the potential use of psychedelics, well, it is. In fact, frankly, I lived in Utah for a while and I'm surprised that (laughs) that state of all states, which frowns on coffee and chocolate at times, um, will go ahead and green light the medical research of the psilocybin that is in magic mushrooms. Now, I know so many of us think of it as, you know, tripping, going to concerts, just getting our groove on, I feel good, patchouli in the air, and a flower sundress, and the hippies, and the hacky sack. But behind it, I am convinced, based on the evidence and the testimony that I've heard from some of my fellow veterans, including combat and non-combat, the people I've heard that have stood up and shared with me intimate details of their life and how some of these alternative modalities have changed their life for the better leads me to presume that there's a discussion that needs to be had here. And that's why I want to bring aboard our guest today, Marine Corps veteran Brandon Sparks, who served through the 90s, similar to myself. And uh, well, we're going to unpack his story because it it will track how psilocybin has affected his life, how he's used it, and how at times his life was kind of out of control without it. So, uh, Brandon, welcome to the show, brother. Hi,
1: thank you, Phil. I appreciate you having me.
2: Um, you know, as we just heard the story about a Green Beret and Matthew Butler, um, you know, I know you probably find him a kindred spirit. Tell me a little bit about your background. Tell me how you ended up in the core and uh, kind of what you did.
1: All right. I, uh, <clears throat> I joined the Marine Corps in 1995. Uh, actually, I signed my contracts, uh, at MEPS on my 17th birthday. Uh, I turned 18 in boot camp. Um, I served for a couple of years, uh, had an incident that occurred that, uh, made a big, profound change in my life that at the time <clears throat> didn't seem like it was, uh, you know, as <clears throat> ground shattering or, or earth shattering, uh, as it was. It, uh, that it turned out to be, um, post Marine Corps. I went to college at the university of West Georgia. Uh, I then returned to my home state of New York, uh, got married. I got three children. Uh, and then things just kind of went haywire. Um, started about 2003 or four. Uh, I started, uh, allowing the mental health issues that I had overtake parts of my life that I shouldn't have, but I did. Uh, So I feel a lot with the guy that you shared because uh, you don't realize when you're going through it, how chaotic and, and nuts (laughs) really things are uh, because to you, it seems like you're just normal. So I, uh, I didn't have any care through the VA when I left the Marine Corps. I, uh, I didn't think I deserved it. I didn't think I earned it. So, I got no disability. I got no veteran care um, until things really got crazy and that was around twenty fourteen um what i what i didn't realize that I was doing was I was trying to combat the demons that were in my head with recreational drugs with alcohol, with anything that would make my brain just shut off right like so that was my whole goal shut the brain off. Um, I turned to cocaine, uh, became an addict, uh, led to a suicide attempt. Uh, luckily that didn't go through. So fortunately I'm still here. Um, which led me to being, you know, my wife said, that's enough. I can't deal with this. You have to, you have to go. Uh, so I, I left and for the next two years, it was just utter chaos, um, but in between all that, I had attended a Grateful Dead concert in Chicago with a bunch of buddies, and um, I was walking through the crowd, and I saw a table set up, and and the table said uh, something akin to psilocybin for PTSD, or something like that. Now, I had recognized that I had PTSD, but I hadn't gone and got anything done with it, hadn't tried to do anything with it. Uh, I went over and started talking to these people, and I, I started realizing, like, hey, that's that's kind of like me, right? Like that's, that's, that's what, that's what I go through. Um, Once I went back to the VA, got diagnosed, got into their care. um, I started to, uh, I got my medical cannabis card and then I started to microdose Um, within a month. I felt an, absolute change, like, like a, uh, an immediate change. And, and I thought to myself like, wow, that's, uh, that's different, right? Like this is a, this is how I guess, you know, people just normally act, normally think, normally react to situations. Uh, you know, I wasn't flying off the handle. Uh, once I started like really doing it in in a, in a medical sense. So I was taking 0.2 grams every three days, off for two days, every three days, off for two days. And I got on a cycle. Uh, those meds that you were talking about that the VA loves to hand out, I got off three of them. There were three medications that I was on that I said to my psychiatrist, I don't need these anymore. Like I don't, I don't, I don't not need it. It, it is uh, it is something that uh, is, is hindering and not benefiting me anymore. Um,
2: yeah um I want to pause right there, yeah, because I absolutely love kind of what you've unpacked thus far, but I want to highlight one specific moment before we look forward and talk about really the i don't know the efficacy to talk right. about how the the psilocybin has really helped before we go there. Let me highlight, and I hate to do this because this is always like the tough thing to do in an interview, but say, tell me about that bad day of your life. I mean, I yeah. know it sucks, but I think all of the things you mentioned from the cocaine addiction to before that, just plain alcohol, to just plain recreational drugs, to just plain chasing your tail in the party zone, all of that emanates from your brain. And I think your young man, your your young life trying to process some bad crap that happened. Yeah. To you. Um, tell me a little bit about just that one day in the Marine Corps that 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 you feel maybe have triggered eventually a domino effect in your life
1: so we were on a training mission called Operation Purple Star. So a lot of people know what this was about um big huge training op uh in North Carolina uh I had actually screwed up, and so I was on two hours of fire watch every night for like weeks right like so I was the new guy and I was the young guy I uh, happened to be on uh the radio in the you know just kind of chilling, and I heard some helicopters fly over. And, uh, like a minute, two minutes later, not like very, like the radio went nuts. And, uh, I woke my gunnery sergeant up and I'm like, Hey, I I think there's a helicopter accident, like, right, like close to us. Like I just heard these things. Uh, my gunny was like, get your squad leader, get everybody up. So I got my squad up. Um, what had happened was, is a, uh, 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 transport helicopter, a Chinook was flying in a stick with some ground support helicopters. And one of the ground support helicopters raised up into the, uh, the back of the helicopter. And the blades went into the helicopter. Uh, both of the helicopters crashed. Um, when we got up to the scene, I found out that it was 2nd Battalion, 8th Marines. And I had a very good friend of mine, like a best friend. Uh, who was 2 8 and who was in helicopters, and uh, and I knew that so I immediately I'm like, Where's CAC? And they're like, Hey, he just left the scene, right? Like, he was here for it was, well, it was about an hour after the crash when we got there. So, we spent the next eight hours uh searching the helicopter path for body parts. Um, most of the egregious things were in body bags already. Um, I'll never forget the uh the scene of of walking in and behind the Chinook. Um it, it was uh you know it it was it was insane. Um I got done with that. I went and did a after action report with my gunny and uh my first sergeant and uh and then I didn't talk about it. <laughs> and I didn't talk about it for twenty years. Um, I buried it. I said, you know, okay, that's, you know, that's, that's messed up, right? Like, you know, that's, that's some crazy shit to see, but you know, you're a Marine. This is what you're supposed to do. Uh, What I didn't realize was how quickly uh, things went South for me in the Marine Corps and in life in general, post uh, April of 96, I believe it was April of 96.
2: Man. And I'm, you know, I wanted to highlight that in detail because what you described there is not only, you know, somewhat of the things guys see in combat, you know, guys see people hurt, people wounded, people dead, but, but witnessing death is not something unique or exclusive to the military. First responders, cops, people that work in hospitals. I mean, whether you are the attending physician, the nurse, the nurse's aide, the janitor, you are near sometimes some really tragic moments. And it is unnatural to say the least to see death or to see the aftermath of death, to witness a dead human being can i think leave some sort of mark on your soul some sort of mark on your brain i'm not a i'm not a neuroscientist i can't tell you specifically how it works and how it affects the brain but i can tell you that you know having talked to so many people that have witnessed it i know that it does have a hangover and that hangover unlike the whiskey does not occur 24 hours later it can pop back up later and as you had gone on to say in the lead into our interview here you went from being happily married to kind of medicating. Maybe it was like, you just weren't even noticing at first because who doesn't want to be after work? Who doesn't right. want to be at the barbecue? Who doesn't want to hang out with their buddies, you know, go fishing, hang out at the lake, do what they do. But as that increases in frequency and as that increases in volume, suddenly we realize that those things that we may have buried filed away in the mental filing cabinet are the ones triggering the heavy consumption. Uh Share with me again, how it went from marriage to homelessness.
1: Yeah. So in uh, I was diagnosed uh, first off, I was diagnosed bipolar with anxiety um, because I wouldn't talk about my incident, right? like all, It's all I referred to it as I wouldn't talk about it. So uh, I got diagnosed bipolar um, and I was taking medication that they were giving me, but like, at the same time, it wasn't, it, it wasn't doing it for me. Um, I was still having bad thoughts. I was still suicidal. I was still, um, you know, uh, flying off the handle in the, the, the easiest of moments. Um, what were the
2: meds? What were the meds? Can I, I ask on, What's uh, them? The
1: yeah. So they put me on uh Oh, what was it called? I'm on, I'm on Zyprexa now, but they, they put me on, I don't remember the name of it right now, but uh, it's actually how I found out that I was bipolar, that I had the mental health issues that I knew I had. But like when they came out, my doctor put me on um, Lexapro and he, Mm. and then he had taken me off of Lexapro. And when he took me off of it, I had an incident uh, where I got into a fight in the middle of the road with an off-duty police officer. It's a long story. Uh, I was facing a lot of charges. Um, but the guy pushed me first and the charges got dropped, but I went back into my doctor and I told him what happened. And he, he just looked at me and he's like, have you ever had any bad trauma? And I'm like, wow, why, what are you talking about? He's like, well, he's like, I, I, I think you're bipolar, Brandon. And he's like, uh, and, and, and I think it's my fault that you freaked out on the guy because, uh, you know, you, uh, you were coming off Alexa Pro. he's like, so your body and your mind. Like I just snapped. Like, I just, like I wasn't there for the five minutes that this altercation happened. Right. And then I'm in the back of a police car and then I'm manic and freaking out and screaming at everybody. So that was the first time where my wife was like, Whoa, dude. Right. Like, but I still wouldn't go nowhere. wouldn't talk to nobody. I went to a psychiatrist. This is all non BA related. Um, Didn't tell her, right. Like just held everything in, didn't tell nobody. Uh, so I, I wasn't being honest, right? Like, so I, if, if you're not honest, you can't get the treatment that you need, right? Like you have to, you have to tell these people, this is what's going on. Like, like you have to break that, you know, like in, in an acting world, they call it the, you know, the fourth wall. You have to smash through that, 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 you know, stigma that's attached to mental health right? Like as a Marine infantryman, I don't want to be told I have mental health issues. I want to be told I'm a, I'm a, I'm a warrior. I'm a fighter. I'm a, I'm a Marine, right? Like, so you don't want to know that. Uh, um, I still wasn't taking it a hundred percent seriously. And I was recreationally using drugs and alcohol. Uh, I realized when I attempted to hurt myself, uh, that I didn't ever want to get that low again, right? Like that low, was so bad that I would do anything to elevate myself out of that pit of despair.
2: What was the low, do you think, at that point? Was it when you were kind of coming off the blow, when you were sort of with the cocaine and you would reach the high, high highs? And then was that low point in your life, like when you'd realized, like, you know, when the coke runs out? That's right. when a lot of well, people slip me, into depression. Was yes. it at that moment when you were sort of like, I just want off this ride. This place is too crazy. I'm I'm too high. The Actually, lows are getting know, too low.
1: Right. The the suicide attempted was not involving cocaine at all. Uh oh. I was in a uh me and the me and the missus got into an argument. It was something very simple. We got into an argument, she was at work, and uh and my brain just said, I've had enough like, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm let me off this ride. Right. Like, so that's where the Mm -hmm. abuse of cocaine actually started because when I realized that my lows were as low as let's go into the basement and hurt ourselves, um, you know, like I sent a note to my wife, her, her HR department intercepted the email and the neighbor had to come next door and found me sitting on a chair, freaked out. And, uh, and, 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 that's, she came home that night and she's like, you, you have to get help. Like, like this is not normal. This is not okay. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. I don't need help. Uh, It's you. You're, you're the problem, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it was, It and then, and then I started to abuse cocaine because I thought, Hey, if I'm up in this high, I don't, I'm not going to be low, right? Like I'm up, I'm up. I'm, I'm good. I'm good to go. My brain's ticking. I'm, I'm good to go. Then I would just sleep. Then I would wake up. And finally, my wife said, enough is enough. You have to leave. Um, And so I left. And I went to my sister's house, and I was still using. And my sister was like, this is a drug-free zone, and you will not use here. And she busted me. And when she busted me, she was like, I love you, but you got to go. And Mm -hmm. I had nowhere else to go. Uh, I ended up in in a psychiatric ward for three days because they asked me if I was gonna hurt myself. And I said, yeah, I'm gonna jump off a bridge, man. I'm done. Like I, my sister kicked me out. My wife kicked me out. Nobody wants me, blah, 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 right? So uh, after you get out of the psych ward, yeah, you, you don't have nowhere to go. They send you to the homeless shelter. And so I said to myself, "I'm, I'm gonna go here as a lesson, right? Like I'm gonna learn something from this. I'm gonna learn that if I don't get my Together. Oops, sorry. But if I don't get my shit together, uh, this is where I'm going to live, right? This is where I'm going to end up. I'm going to be a homeless veteran guy uh, on the streets, right? So I was there for three days. And uh, on the s- first day, actually, a buddy of mine who worked for the VA, uh, Marine battle buddy of mine, we were supposed to go to boot camp together. Um, I went early, uh, real good friend of mine. And he said, Brandon, I'm done watching you struggle. Um, he said, What happened to you? is military and service connected. He's like, uh, so I'm going to start filing the paperwork. I'm going to be your advocate. You're going to sign this paperwork and I'm going to do the work for you. And I'm going to help you out. In the meantime, I left the homeless shelter after like three days, got a little place to live, was living in a terrible environment. Um, and wasn't serious about getting help. they, Got my claim and I had to go in and talk to psychiatry as part of my claim. So I have some of it is physical injuries and a lot of it is mental health. And I went in similar with you. She's like, tell me about the helicopter accident. And I said, what do you know about the helicopter accident? Like, how did you know about that? And she's like, just let's talk. And and so we talked kind of like how I talked with you. And I went really in depth with her. Uh, At one point, she said, go outside, have a cigarette like you're, you're shaking, you're sweating, like go have a cigarette. I walked outside. There's like three people in the waiting room. I apologize. The one woman's like, no Marine, you're good. Go ahead. Whatever you're doing in there. Right. Like go ahead. Um, And that was the first time that I opened up about it and having that cigarette Phil, I felt a sense of calmness that I hadn't felt in quite a while. And I, and I thought, Oh, okay. So like talking about it doesn't hurt me. Uh, talking about it didn't, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not dead. I'm not, you know, I'm not freaking out. Um, I just talked about it. So, uh, fast forward about a year, I get my claim in, they grant me a hundred percent. Uh, I want to get off drugs. I want to get off everything, right? Like I'm, I'm done. I end up in the VA psych ward. I then went to, uh, Canandaigua, New York and uh and that started the process of getting clean off of the cocaine and the alcohol um so that was that was the start of the treatment
2: mm. and a great a really great place to pause right there as we kind of reflect on all that um first i want to say it's unusual to hear that the suicide attempt came or that the cocaine abuse started after a suicide attempt showing just how you know, I don't want to say miswired, but just showing that there was some damage. There was some sort of mental health issue at the nexus of all of this, that your brain was not firing correctly, that even your own personal advice to yourself was, Hey, to get up so I don't feel so low, I'll just start, you know, the Charlie Sheen diet. I mean,
1: right. that's, that's, yeah. that's, and that's, that's the worst
2: was. advice ever, but that's right. the first time I'd ever heard that. Um, and then of course, you know, the way you documented the rest of the trajectory there, totally interesting. It is also ironic to me, having been a guy that, full disclosure, look, I know a thing or two about cannabis. I've rolled me some. I know a lot about the medical marijuana before we called it medical marijuana or cannabis. Uh, You know, I remember just buying bags of pot and I was a kid. And I also remember we were about ready to go next. This uh, dead show. Uh, I remember going to some Grateful Dead. I think one of my favorite Grateful Dead shows was um, Grateful Dead, Petty and Dylan, RFK. Back in the eighties, I mean I've seen a couple different shows, seen some fish shows i mean that that jam band music kind of is where I end up giving I think whenever I see these articles about mushrooms and about psilocybin you know i end up getting cheeky with them because i do remember those days for so many people and i also think it's really convenient for a lot of people to just go yeah you know i'm having a bad day and i also like the i also like some boomers so uh here's a good excuse to you know go ahead and right. you know roll for a few hours woo uh, and 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 i don't want it to get misunderstood i don't want it to get misused i don't want people to think we are just trying to get high because God knows no. there was a time and a day when we liked to get high, and I'm not yeah. going to deny that. But where I want to go with you next is from the psilocybin table that you saw at this concert. Open with that. Walk me through how you ended up doing the psilocybin treatment, and then give me some details on on how it affects your life. And let's end with kind of how you're using it today. But uh, take yep. me back to the dead show.
1: So, so the dead show was a, a fairly well last concert. I, uh, I use music in therapy. Didn't realize that I was doing that until I went to Canadagua, and we realized that music is part of my therapy. Uh, a buddy of mine turned me on to the dead and I went to a concert when I was like 12 with my stepsister. Wasn't supposed to be there. She told me don't tell mom and stepdad like that. You're there. Uh, I don't really remember it cause I was young, uh, but I, I never liked the grateful dead. Uh, my buddy was played me some and I'm like, Whoa, okay. We went to a show and, uh, and I, I had that moment, right. The lightning bolt, that whole moment of like, Whoa, this is, this is cool. Right. Like, so we went to Chicago. Um, I saw the table and my buddies, we were all standing around and, and I, and I thought to myself, I, I liked mushrooms in college, right? Like I liked, like you were saying, I liked to party a little bit, right? Like I was always kind of that guy, uh, I said, but I remember after I would use mushrooms, there would be like a couple of days where I was kind of normal, right? And so it kind of piqued my interest. Um, I, because I was abusing other drugs and didn't get clean off of those, I kind of shuffled that into the back of my brain. Um, It wasn't until 2017 that I got my medical cannabis card and the VA threw a fit over that. Uh, but I told them I, it helps. Yeah, right, that's a whole
2: nother podcast. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's yeah, a whole other podcast. I, yeah, I hate I how they I, treat it.
1: Yeah, I know. So, uh, so I started doing a little bit of research um, and on my own, right? Like, so I started reading articles. I started because I'm in a state that even on the private sector, isn't one of the four states you mentioned that is like wanting to talk about this or think that this is a treatment. Uh, I found a source of psilocybin and I was uh i started low dosing uh every day for like a month and within that month i started realizing that the anxiety wasn't as bad the panic attacks weren't as bad the triggers weren't as bad i wasn't things that would trigger me before weren't triggering me now right then i read an article where it was like you want to give your brain a little bit of a pause while you're doing this so i started my what I is my regiment that I do now. And that's three days on two days off. And then I take a month off completely off of it. Uh, one month out of the year. And it's currently this month right now, actually that I'm, I'm off of it. Um, I do that because for me, it, 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 it allows my brain to kind of, I don't, it's hard to explain like, right. Like, so it's firing, properly and then it it starts to kind of misfire a little bit if i if i don't take the month it'll just kind of and then i have to like up the dosage and i'm not trying to up anything i want uh i don't want to feel the effects like if i were to take a handful of them right and watch the walls move and and see funny things and you know party like that i have no interest in that anymore uh my only interest is Preventing anxiety, preventing panic attacks and preventing triggers. And I work a lot with my mental health counselor because th- she's understanding, right? Like, so my counselor that I have is a very understanding human who is like, this is benefiting you. Uh, in the process of doing this, like I said, I've, I've gotten off of three medications, uh, three meds that, you know, I felt were Kind of counterproductive to my treatment. And I used to tell people all the time medication and talking saved my life. Um, if I didn't take my meds and talk to people and talk about what's going on, like I'd be dead. And hands down, no crap. I'd be dead. And I don't want to be dead, right? Like I have three daughters. I, you know, I want to be around for them. And so I started to uh, really pay attention um, to my mental health. I went into a couple of programs through the VA and learned some tools in my tool bag to deal with it. Uh, if, if I was not on medical cannabis and if I was not microdosing, I would not be here. Period. Full stop. I would not be here. You know, my brain doesn't, compute things the way that it used to. And I feel that for me, microdosing kind of connects those dots that aren't being connected by any kind of other medication that I've taken. Right? Like, so all the Paxils of the world, all the Lexapro's of the world, none of that worked, but the microdosing did. And so that's why, that's why I came on to your program. That's why I wanted to talk to you. Uh, if one veteran hears this and can, and is and is able to like, I'm fortunate to know that I have a strain that works for me. I have full access to it. I, it's the same stuff every time. Uh, and, and that's, that's a comfort, right? Like, like that's my medication. I take it as much as I take my mental health meds that I take now. Uh, it's, it's a, If I didn't do it, uh, the effects of it would be terrible. And, and I, in the month that I take off during the year, I can tell, I can tell my brain gets a little bit more, not foggy, but just a little bit more depressive, a little bit more, uh, well, we can just sit here today and not do anything like just very, just kind of a, of a lull. And then within... A week of going back to microdosing, the brain refires, and then I'm I'm good to go. And I feel like for me, the pause is is part of that, right? Like like I said, I like my brain to kind of get a little uh used to it and then not used to it and then back used to it. It's just the regiment that I use.
2: Mm. You know what? I'm taken with the irony that the door was opened. By that bro and the homeless shelter days to get into VA treatment and that the mental health treatment, that cigarette moment of talking through your trauma. Was the beginning, but at the end, at the end, as you found the one thing that truly works, there's an irony to it that it's the one thing that the VA will not Endorse yeah. Like well, the starting line was the VA right there with you and helping you. And the finish line, the VA is like, Nope, we don't want anything to do with that. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to acknowledge that. We don't want to be anywhere near it. And we'll be damned if we're going to talk about it. And then Congress conversely won't touch it and at least reschedule it, keeping this circus of VA says, no Congress says, no VA yeah. says, no, cause Congress says, no VA it's like, ah, and the crazy thing is you were still able to find through your own, well, one through the fact that New York state did the medical marijuana program, but also uh, through your own, you were able to get access to some psilocybin <laughs> at a dead show. And th- another irony, by the way, living a cleaner life after attending a dead show, which I don't think anyone has ever said, but yeah. that's a beautiful irony there. Uh If you're not sure what I'm talking about, Google uh a dead show. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, so many questions. What program is it that you were able to access the micro doses or what program is it? May I ask? I mean, do you recommend a program is, are, 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 are there things you so should there, know about? Right. So
1: for me, you know, I, like I told you in the, in the, before we started all this, like, I'm not the, I'm not the medical guy, right? Like, so I'm not the guy that's like, uh, you know, I, 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 I would beg, I would beg New York state to allow clinic clinics to, uh, prescribe this as a, as a medication, right? Like I would, I would advocate for that 110%. Um, the VA will not discuss it with me. Um, when I got my medical marijuana card, I was in a drug program and they were, they were like, no. And I go what this, and then I was talking with a psychiatrist. And he's like, you can't, you know, you can't be in the program and be testing positive for cannabis. And I kind of lost it on him. And I said, why, why this helps me. Why are you so against this? And this man looked me in my eyes, Phil, and said, I'm not against it. It's just policy. <sighs> and I thought how freaking weird, like, come on, are you kidding me? Like, you know, this is working. Like, so program wise, I would tell everybody, um, to do as 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 much research as you can, to speak to a physician, um, open minded physician, hopefully, um, because you don't want to like I would never advocate somebody just goes and 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 grabs a bag of mushrooms, and and starts chewing on them and saying this is going to help me, right? Because you don't know how much to take, you don't know uh, some strands, you know, strains can be different. There's all sorts of nuances in a magic mushroom that that it's kind of like cannabis with indicas and sativas there's different things that help different parts of your brain and so you, you you need to find which one of those you know works like i said i'm fortunate enough to have the exact same strain every time all the time as medicine um the person that i deal with is a uh a a person who is like hands down uh, one of the most pro psilocybin, like he will, he will tell you like, take the pills, don't take the mushrooms, right? Like he, he wants you to use it as a medicine and not as any kind of like recreational fun. Like I haven't ingested more than my medical amount, like since I started doing it and Mm. Um, so I would just, I would tell everybody, if you're, if you're, if this is something that you think might help you start doing the research on it. Um,
2: May I ask what organizations you could recommend people research? Like I know I've interviewed folks from the multidisciplinary association of psychedelic studies. It's a group called maps yeah. and they've been key in informing me and enlightening me on a couple different That's a good of different kinds to start with. Yeah. Where else can you go? What other resources are there for the psilocybin specifics?
1: So it's really tough, right? Like you live in a state that doesn't recognize it. Um, I, I do a lot of, believe it or not, I do a lot of my research, like with the American Medical Journal, and they did a, uh, a full-length study. Where they they I don't want to get full into it, but they had mice and they were trying to give them fear and and would they overcome the fear and the ones on the placebo wouldn't and the ones on the placebo would or I mean on the psilocybin would, um, so you know uh, I I I meant to and one of the things I meant to do was look up the uh, the people that I I met at the dead show and it's not head count I can't remember it and I meant to look it up and I got sidetracked, uh. No the words. ones that got me started, yeah.
2: To say though, loosely, you have still had to go to some kind of I don't know extreme measures to find somebody that can give you this medicine. I mean, basically, we're getting this yeah, I, we're yeah, getting this I mean, from a guy on the street. Well, I mean,
1: it, it's illegal, right? Like, so possessing mushrooms in my state is illegal, and um, kind of like the cannabis before I got my medical card, and I was treating myself with that. It was illegal. Um, that's crazy, right? That that it's, it's a, it's a mushroom, right? And, and it's crazy that it's, it's illegal, but if, if, if you're fortunate enough, like I am to know the right people and know the people that have, you know, that have the mushrooms, um, you can get this treatment. And it's, it's, it's sad that you have to kind of go around the street level you know what i mean like the street dealing and to find it and 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 once you do find it then it's like you know uh you feel like you know one of the things i never wanted to feel like uh when i when i got clean was that i was still using and so a big part of microdosing for me has been um You know, not tripping, not getting funked out in the brain, just allowing enough of it in to 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 refire the brain a little bit. And since I've been on cannabis and psilocybin, I haven't hurt myself, haven't tried to hurt myself and haven't wanted to hurt myself. And the fact that I have to go, you know, the the black market route to get medicine that I I swear on the Bible works 100 percent of the time is bonkers. Uh, but there's enough States that are starting to think about it. Uh, it's legal out somewhere out West. I believe there's, there's enough people that are studying it. There's enough cl- clinics that are prescribing it in legal States that it's going to catch on. Uh, I'm a firm believer. It's going to, uh, it's just the, the the medical benefits outweigh any of the negatives hands down, hands down. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I wish that I could, you know, get it through the VA. Like I wish that they would send me the little pills that I take uh, you know, uh, like they send my mental health meds um, because it's such an important, you know, part of my recovery. It's an important part of my mental health journey, but more importantly, it's it's important to my mental health as a whole. It really does, you know. It really does repair the brain. It's as weird as that sounds. There's a there's a repair that's going on when you're doing this, um, and it's noticeable. And it's it's noticeable rather quickly too. Um, more so than like when I got put on Zyprexa. Zyprexa took about a month for me to get okay with. Um, within a week, I felt better on microdosing, And within two weeks, I had noticed a profound change, profound. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I encourage everybody. Like, I don't encourage people to go out and hit up a drug dealer and try and get mushrooms like at all. Right. Like, that's not what I'm encouraging. I'm, I'm encouraging people to do the research, talk to people about it. And if you if you happen to be in a state and you happen to be afflicted with these mental health conditions, be open-minded um to it as a form of therapy because it it works it it absolutely works
2: So glad you shared your story with us, Brandon. I just can't thank you enough, brother. Thank you for yeah, getting so. deep on this. Um yeah, I can man. tell you I, just from some of my research and some of the reporting that we've done at ConnectingVets.com that psilocybin has been decriminalized in Washington, D.C., as well as Denver uh, back in 2019, followed by Oakland and Santa Cruz in California, Ann Arbor, Michigan, yeah. and Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, anywhere in those places if you want to. Look into some things. Just remember those states and those cities I mentioned. I think Rhode Island yeah. is also looking at a proposal to decriminalize it uh, later in the year. But I know Colorado has always been progressive in this. So, uh, you know, there may be access points to it. But uh, th- the moral of this story is that, Brandon, you're a changed man. I'm looking at you. You still got the crazy yeah. wild beard, yeah. but you look healthy. <laughs> your eyes are clear. Your story yeah, is compelling, and you seem to be firing on all cylinders. Looks also, like you got a beautiful. I'm...
1: Um, life is good, man. Uh, I, for me, uh, life is good. It, it's, it's no longer, it's no longer, uh, a life not worth living as what I thought prior to hurting myself or trying to hurt myself. Uh, it's now a life that's tolerable and kind of enjoyable, right? Like I, <laughs> I get, I get a little joy out of life. And, and for somebody who didn't have a lot of joy for 20 something years, I take these days and I, I run with them, man. It's, it's life is good.
2: Life is good. Brandon Sparks, Marine Corps veteran and uh, now friend of mine. Thank you for sharing. All right, Phil.
1: Thank you, brother.
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings wherever you get your podcasts.